we read it in our responsive reading. But now I want to go a little further down into the verse, into the chapter. And says in verse 29. For those whom he foreknew. He predestined. To become conformed to the image of his son. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. And these whom he predestined. He also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. I want to talk about this morning, the struggle is over. Amen. You can change. Tell your neighbor the struggle is over. You can change. And so my assigned task is to treat with exegetical integrity and hermeneutical honesty with homiletical transparency. Romans chapter 8 verses 29 to 30. After the resurrection. I don't know if you thought about it. Jesus stayed on earth for 40 years days and when he ascended he told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and wait what were they waiting for they were waiting for the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 verse 5 it says and John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Can I help you with something? If you are a Christian and you're not living a spirit-led life, then you have no power. If you're not living a spirit-filled life, then you will find yourself always chasing for something that you'll never really get. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, but you will receive power. Not only do you have the baptism of the Spirit, but he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. And he says, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Spirit is what we need in order to have a changed life. You see, the disciples walked with Jesus. This message today is doctrinal. Every time I preach out the book of Romans, it's not a practical, it's doctrinal. It's practical to apply, but it's doctrinal to believe. And The thing about doctrine is, and that word doctrine just simply means teaching. Doctrine is what changes you. Uh, Duty is what brings you closer to him. That's in your service. And so 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, can you imagine that the rest of the story is that Resurrection Sunday didn't just stop there. You see, this new life that we have in Christ... 
It has to be infused by the Holy Spirit. You see, many of us struggle. Anybody here going through a struggle this morning? You got something that you're struggling with? You see, the reason I say the struggle is over because the first part of your struggle is over. Now it's just finding out what you have. Amen. In order to get through the struggle. Sometimes we don't know what we have. Sometimes we don't know that what we have to get through is right in front of us. The struggle was over at Calvary. Come on, help me somebody. When Jesus went to the cross, he settled it. And everything that we're going through right now is to get us to the other side. Here's, here, here, here's something. Romans 8.26. Look at it. The context. Watch this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps tell you, David, the struggle is over. Have you ever been in a struggle where you don't even know what to pray? I mean, you don't even have words for what you're going through. You just not, you feel like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But tell your neighbor the struggle's over. Check out the text. The text says he helps with our what? Acts 1.8 says we receive what? Yeah. Acts 1.4 says we are baptized with the same power. Come on, help me somebody. I wonder why we live so, de- so, so defeated at times. When we have power. Come on, help me somebody. He says, for we do not know how to pray as we should. Sometimes we just give up on praying. Come on, y'all. Sometimes we just say, man, it's not even worth it. I've been praying and I've been praying and I've been praying and I've been praying, but there ain't nothing happening. Don't you give up on prayer. Matter of fact, sometimes you just got to go sit in the presence of God and just say, God, here I am. That's it. And let the spirit pray for you. Oh, do I have anybody? The text says that. Notice what it says. It says as we should. Suggesting that prayer is something that we should be doing. Right? Look what he says. He said, but the spirit himself will do what? Intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Look at verse 27. Verse 27 says, and he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit and it, be, it, it because he intercedes for who according to what you know what i found out the reason why i'm not getting what i want because maybe it's not in the will of god i'm praying for stuff that god says that ain't my will for you oh i thank god for the holy spirit holy spirit will pray exactly what i need we ain't got to pray long either We ain't got to pray that long, y'all. The Spirit of God says, I will pray according to the will of God for you. Oh, thank God I got somebody on the inside of me that knows what I really need. 
thanks for your prayers, but I got somebody who knows what I really need. And if you look at verse 28, verse 28, just put it all together. It says, and we know what that God. Hey, what does he do? Y'all he caught it's called synergism. It's taking two opposites and bringing them together and start what have you ever anybody been in a bad relationship? And then you come out of that relationship better than when you went in. You realize that, man, I am worth something. I realize that, listen, I ain't going to put up with this, that, and the third. Because guess what? I learned something from that bad relationship. And if you ever had a bad job that you, listen, and you came out of that better than when you went in. You with me? He says, God causes all things. To what? To work together. You can't mess up with God. Tell your neighbor the struggle is over. And I believe it's over because he says that God, not man, but God does what? Causes all things to work together for who? Huh? Oh, y'all miss, y'all miss reading the text now. Hold on. He said, for good to do, to who? To those who what? Ah, now there's the condition. Let me help you with something. Stop quoting scripture and don't look at the promise. And make sure that you understand that the principle and the promise that comes together. Sometimes you got to do something on your part. Not just be praying, God help me. He said, you got to love God. Listen, I've seen some people go through some stuff in 17 years. I've watched people rise to the top and I've watched people hit the bottom. But one thing I know, God is not unfair. But here's the thing. When you love God. Oh, I'm getting ready to deal with this. I'm going to be here for a couple weeks. Watch this. When you love God. And when you're called. By God. This ain't just for preachers. This for all of us. Are you following me? He says a called according to what? His purpose. So in other words, God knew before you knew what your purpose was in life. I got four things and let's look at it. Verse 26, 29 says, for those, which those? The one who love God. The one who are called according to his purpose. You, you seeing it? Watch the text now. Watch the text now. Here's how I know the struggle is over. Because number one, God has favored you. I'm glad I'm his favorite. He doesn't play favorites. He has favorites. I wish I had somebody. The text says for whom he what? For new. It is, it, is, it is presented here that God had prior knowledge of you. Whom he foreknew. The text is very clear. The text is very clear. The term here is reserved for those matters which God is favorable towards. So even when you were going through, 
even when you didn't even know how you're going to make it out, you were favored by God. And watch this. Some of what you were dealing with was bringing you into your purpose. Are you following me? He says, whom he foreknew. What did he do with those whom he foreknew? Listen, God's knowledge is grounded in himself. It is, it is in his own determination. You didn't do anything so spectacular to get his favor. Before you were born, in your mother's womb, he knew you. Are you with me? Before the foundation of the world was, he knew you. He favored you. And you are now the object of his foreknowledge. Are you with me? Isn't that, isn't that good news? Isn't that good news that in spite of me messing up, I got the favor of God that will follow me because of what God foreknew about me. Sometimes we're hard on ourselves, y'all. But I want to tell you something. The Father has favored you. And the reason I know that because when he went to Calvary, he settled it there because he foreknew me at Calvary. When he was hanging on the cross, he saw me, but he knew me and he was favoring me even then. Are you with me? Look at the text. The text says, those whom he foreknew, he what? Predestined. To do what? To be conformed to the image of his son. You know what I found out? We're looking for examples but we ain't looking in the Bible. We want to be like everybody, but not like Jesus. You know what God's plan is for all of us? That we look more like Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. That we look more like who? Jesus. The text says he predestined us. You know what this is called? It's called sanctification. And sanctification means you are growing in Christ in maturity, but also in proximity, in closeness. So the closer you get to him, the more you look like him. So not only did God favor you, but God has, pre- has a predetermined plan And purpose for your life. Listen. Until we grow spiritually. We will keep on struggling. God says I foreknew you. And I predestined you. The predestination means it's a plan. And a purpose. That we grow. Can I just get pastoral for a minute. Watch this. Some of us fight growth. We've been in church a long time, but we ain't changed one bit a bit. Maybe a little bit. But not a whole bit. Because we've been following the wrong pattern. God wants you and I not just to come to church to hear a word and say amen. God wants you to come hear a word and you change. Tell your neighbor, I can change. God wants you and I to mature. He wants you to come here, go to church and become bigger and better. Watch it spiritually. 
He ain't looking for how much money you can get. That does not impress God. God wants you to grow spiritually. How many want to grow spiritually? Let me see all the people who want to grow spiritually. I still got some growing to do. And I've been walking for Jesus a little while now. And I ain't tired yet. But listen, some of the tests that I go through is to bring me closer to him. He says he predestined me to conform to what? His image. So the real issue is this. Who do I look like now? Now I ain't there yet. You can't slap me. And then turn your back on me. Y'all reading between the lines yet? I ain't there yet. Nope. I ain't there yet. So that's why I'm saying I got a little while to go. You understand what I'm saying? I ain't there yet. You understand? No, Jesus turned the other cheek. He said, turn the other cheek. I ain't turned the other cheek. <laughs> Promise you I'm not. I'm going to use these hands. That the Lord has given me. In the name of Jesus. And then you turn your back on me too. Anyways. So that means we got work to do. He predestined us to become what? Conform to his image so that he would be what? So that he would be the firstborn among brethren. Verse 30 says, and these, the same people, whom he what? What did he do? He called. He called you. So what has God done for us? He's favored us. He has a predetermined plan and purpose for your life. The third thing that God has done, God has called you to what? Salvation and what? Service. He didn't save us to sit in the pews. He saved us so that we can help spread the good news. To serve in the kingdom and continue to conform to the image of Christ. Why do so many Christians feel incomplete? It's because they're saved, but they're not seriously serving. Ouch, amen, or thank you. You can say Jesus all you want, but until you serve him, you haven't taken the relationship to the next level. For real, for real. For real, though. You understand what I'm saying? You got to decide whether you're going to be in the pew or you're going to get in line and say, where can you use me, Lord? Because listen, this generation right here, watch this. They don't feel like they need church. This generation right here say, well, I got Jesus in my heart. I got the church in my heart. I don't need a church building. And listen, I get it. But when will you and I ever come to a place where we can see our service, watch this, is not unto man, but unto the Lord. He says, whatever you do, watch this, do it, watch this, for the Lord, and then from the Lord, you will receive rewards. My gosh. So many of us are trying to be blessed without service. I wish I had somebody. But God said you can't get this if you ain't putting nothing in it. Don't fall for that new mindset. 
We don't need you to do YouTube church. Okay, you do YouTube church if you want. But here's the thing, y'all. When you put your hands to the plow, when you can help somebody who is hungry, when you can give towards a cause for Christ, Watch this, watch this. And here's what, here's what I'm going to say, okay? Here's it. We understand church hurt. We understand that not every church is ran by the real. But here's the thing. It doesn't mean that every church is like that. So here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is stop being a critic. Come on, somebody. And say, Lord, I'll serve you wherever you send me. And maybe if you put me in the middle of a mess, I could be an example. Because remember, if you think they're bad, then that means you're looking at yourself as better than them. So why don't you go there? Do I have y'all with me? And be an example of what you think it should be. Do I have witness? And so here's the deal. God saved you. For service. The text says it very clearly. He predestined us. Those whom he predestined. He also what? Called. And and watch the text now. And those whom he called. He did what? Justified. Now why do I need justification? Because I'm born a sinner. You, you, You know what? You know what? Can I, can I help you with something? Can I help you with something? Here's the thing what justification really is. Declared righteous. Stop declaring yourself righteous and let God declare you righteous. Because a lot of these righteous things we're doing, they're actually unrighteous. God is the only one who can judge you. Come on, help me somebody. And when you've given your heart to Jesus, he saves you, he sanctifies you, but then God, the next thing is, has declared you as righteous. Can I help you with something? A righteous person who's been justified can live right, can serve him, can worship him. Can experience him. Can come in his presence. Watch this. We can live out our calling. Because in God's eyes. You're righteous. Not in man's eyes. And whom the Lord called. He justified. I thank God. That I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. Why? Because in God's eyes. I'm righteous. I may slip and fall every now and then. Come on, somebody. Because this journey can become very slippery. Do I have a witness? And here's what I understand that only God can declare me righteous again. (laughs) But the more I conform to his image, the more he works all things together for my good. The more I try to be like Jesus and not like Mike. Do I have witness? Here's what happens. The more he helps me with my shortcomings. Aren't you glad? 
that you serve a God who declared you righteous? Aren't you glad that we serve a God who is powerful enough to pick you up, to turn you around, to place your feet on a solid ground? Aren't you glad that he rescued you from the domain of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his light? Aren't you glad that yes, your righteousness and your righteous deeds will follow you for the rest of your life? Aren't you glad that only God can judge you? Aren't you glad that only God can forgive you? But the text goes on to say one last thing. It says, and these whom he justified, he also glorified. Now I want to help somebody as I go to my seat. Because you got to understand that glorification has two faces to it. You see, the last thing is God has to get the glory from your life. Can I help somebody with something? The struggle is over. You can change. Because whom the Lord predestined, he called. And whom he called, he justified. And who he justified, he glorified. You don't have to do nothing, but live your life so that God gets the glory. Don't live your life to shine for men, but shine for God. Ultimate glory means that you have surrendered to God for his glory. That everything you do points people back to him. You hear people say this all the time, to God be the glory. But they don't really mean that. But when you live in service, when you live in surrender, when you live in sacrifice, when you live, come on somebody, watch this, with a sense of his presence with you at all times, you understand that God gets the glory. What does it mean, pastor, that God gets the glory? When people see you do something good, they don't see you doing something good. They see the God in you doing something good. When all your work is over, when you've taken your last breath, you will have no regrets. Why? Because you would say it was all for his glory. The difference between glorifying God and seeking glory from God is the difference between our making God look like what he really is and God making us into what we definitely was not. Beautiful, glorious in his presence. Do I have anybody here today that that understands that we were created to glorify him? We, we were created to give him glory. We were created to make God shine. That glory can only come from those who are chosen. Those who are conformed to his image. Those who are called. 
those who are justified. Potato chips these days are about one-fourth chips and three-fourths air. The potato chip company can say it's a bag, call it a bag, and advertise it as a bag. But if you pay for a bag, you will get much less than what you bargained for. We have too many potato chip Christians today. There are too many Christians who are half saved, half worldly. I'm going to say it one more time. They half saved and they half worthy. If you open them up, they're full of air. I don't know about you today, but I'm glad. I'm thankful that the struggle is over. I'm thankful that weeping may endure for a night. But joy is going to come in the morning. I thank God that he justified me. He glorified me. And he's coming back for me. Do you know him? Have you tried him? Is he all right? Is he all right? All right. Give God a hand clap of praise. Praise God that the struggle. Can I help you with something? Let me help somebody with something. You're trying to find yourself and redefine yourself and and all this other stuff. But if you were to conform, you know what what the word conform means? That's that word metamorphosis. That word means... You know how a butterfly, beco- I mean a caterpillar becomes a butterfly? In, in other words, you're going through a transformation. You can't reinvent yourself. You have to conform to the image of Christ. What does that mean? You've got to study his life. How can you confess somebody you don't even know? If I ask you, what do you know about Jesus? Everybody's going to tell me. He's all right. Woke me up this morning. Started me on my way. Put food on my table. Clothes on my back. Right? But you're telling me what he does for you. But do you know him? He's the lily in the valley. The bright and morning star. He scooped out every valley. Carved out everything that you see around you. Listen, if you can conform to it's doable. You understand? Here's why it's doable. Because God is the one working in you. Now all you got to do is surrender to the Spirit and watch Him carve you out and make you into a Michelangelo, a masterpiece. That's what ultimate glorification is. Death. Watch this. But when you close your eyes, you can say, I have finished my journey for the glory of God. Give God a hand clap of praise.